You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Southern Way Hunting Podcast on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and on this show, you'll hear hunting tactics, stories, and strategies from hunters across the South. Our aim is to sharpen our skills as hunters and outdoorsmen, become more efficient and effective in pursuit of our craft, and even have a little fun while we're at it. And of course, no matter the pursuit, we focus on doing things the Southern way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Southern Way Hunting Podcast. I've got Mr. Rick Hall, one half of Southern Game and Tackle on the line with me today. Rick, what's going on, buddy? Oh, man, another day in paradise. Josh, how are you doing, man? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. I mentioned there that you're one half. Do you want to go ahead and introduce your other side? He's not yeah, with us, yeah, but for we'll, sure, man. we'll give Dexter, him the nod. Dexter Carter is my, uh, is my partner in crime here at Southern Game and Tackle. We've been doing this thing, golly, man, I guess uh three a little over three years now um we started southern game and tackle um literally over a beer in the driveway during covid man um we uh you know we 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 got to we were talking outdoors all the time spending a lot of time fishing during that time frame and um you know we were like man let's just start a podcast like the heck with it why why not we don't have anything else to do we can't go anywhere why why don't we just get some microphones we're going to talk about it anyway so uh we started man it's been it's been so good man it's um uh for me it's a it's a little bit of therapy um you know just being able to to talk about the things that i love uh and maybe not get to do as much as i'd like to do them um, kind of coming back to a microphone is, is like being around the tailgate, right? And just talking to your buddies about it. That's, uh, that's been good for me. It's, um, you know, we, we've got, it's given us the opportunity to go on some, some trips and do some things that I probably wouldn't have gotten to do otherwise. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. And, uh, uh, hopefully, you know, good Lord willing, we'll get to keep doing this thing for, for a lot longer. Yeah, man. I, I wonder how many podcasts were started over a beer during COVID. Like your, right. your origin story there. Way. Like I just, I need to know how many of them are, yeah. uh, are on, on that same wavelength. So, um, but man, let me tell me about what was the, I guess the, I don't know, the driving vision was there, was there something big that you guys were like starting it for? Or was it, was it really just like, Hey, we're having these conversations anyway, let's, let's crank it out and, and see what comes out on the back end. Yeah, uh, kind of a little bit of both, I guess, you know, so when we started, um, I had had just recently moved into the neighborhood. I live in, in we, we live in Jacksonville, uh, Florida, and um, 
you know, had just recently moved into the neighborhood. Dex and I had just become uh, friends, you know, kind of out of out of force and necessity. We live right across the road from each other. Um, <laughs> and uh, we've got kids about the same age. Uh, so, so it was just, you know, we – we couldn't avoid each other. And, uh, as we, as we kind of got to get to knowing each other, you, you can't spend much time with me, uh, without knowing real quickly that my favorite thing on the planet is chasing whitetail deer. Um, like it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna talk about it. I'm likely going to be wearing something that represents a hunting brand or is camouflage, right? Like it's just, um, you know, my truck set up to hunt. You walk in my garage, I've got, bows hanging up on in the garage wall and and deer so you can't know you, you can't know me more than about five seconds and know that that you know a hunter is is being a hunter is a big part of who i am and so getting into conversations and um you know, he grew up here uh, in in this part of Florida, uh, and and this part of Jacksonville has has grown a lot over probably the past twenty years. Um, you know, he started telling me stories about them dog hunting, literally just right down the road where now there's apartment buildings and right. Um, you know, shopping centers and all that. And so hunting, hunting was a big part of his growing up, a big part of his heritage. Um, but something that he had kind of gotten away from after he, you know, he went and played college football. Um, and then again, moving back and all your hunting land is now being developed. You you just kind of, kind of get away from it and move into other responsibilities and, um, you know, kind of over some of those, those tailgate talks, um, he started getting the fire back for it. Right. And then, um, uh, so we started planning some things and, and getting him back into it, uh, planned a, a trip to, to Kentucky. I had been going there for a few years and, um, he wanted to, um, he wanted to, to, to join in on that. Now he goes, you know, basically every year with me too. And so it kind of started there. He, right. With, 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 with him kind of learning and, and, and kind of recalling things that he had learned and, and trying to learn it all again uh, and getting getting back into it me wanting to share as much as much as as I could while still learning right I'm I'm, I'm learning every you know every day more and more about deer hunting every time I step in the woods I, you know I, I've got a ton to learn but also a lot to share and so um, for us it was a little bit of that like let's just let's just sit down let's talk about the things we do what we learned from it what we what we would do different if we could and um just kind of see where it goes and you know we're 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 still here we're still kicking it's uh you know as a guy that hosts thousands of podcasts on a regular basis <laughs> you know that um you know that it, it can be a lot of work and even for just right. one one show that we've got uh, we've both got you know he's got three kids i've got one they're all into sports and growing up so you know, it's um, it, it can be a commitment, but um, I, I think what we've learned through it is, you know, even even when it's hard to find time to do it, um, it's uh, it's therapeutic, right? And it's it, it's now Southern Game and Tackle is a, a, a bigger part of me as as deer hunting in and of itself, um, and so you know, it's just one of those things we're going to keep talking, and wherever it goes, it goes. Yeah, man, that that's awesome. I love to hear that. So. Uh... You know, you you may have just made one of your biggest mistakes as far as a pod, as far as your podcast goes. You actually had me Uh-oh. on your show, uh, so I don't know when that's going to launch. Uh, we we recorded just before this for for your show, and I was like, man, while I'm on yours, like let's let's do one for mine too, because we, we you know we had talked through Instagram, compared stories. We both kind of do the same thing, like a little bit of hunting around home. Yeah. That seems to really take a back seat to like life, but then yeah. there's that time of the year where we head to the Midwest. 
and the rest of life kind of takes a back seat to hunting for, yeah. you know, whatever that time period may be, whether it's a couple days, a couple weeks, whatever that looks like, right? So, um, man, you've been making that trip to Kentucky for how many years now? Man, off and on, really, for about 10, um, I think. I, well, no, let me back up. I think the very first time I went was 2006. Um, so, so like 17 years. Um, but there, there's obviously, there's been multiple years in where, where I'd go multiple years without going. Um, I think I've been a total of 10 times, uh, over those 17 years. Okay. All right. And a couple of times I've, uh, a couple of years I would skip it and, and go to Kentucky instead of, I mean, go to Illinois instead of, uh, uh, Kentucky. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, LBL is, is my home away from home. I, I love land between the lakes. It's a, it's a really cool place. Probably some better deer hunting in other areas but that one um it's got a special place in my heart for some reason yeah i mean i, I threatened to, I, I told you on instagram like i threatened to stop there every time i drive by because it's like, like why should, would, why wouldn't i stop why am i gonna go i'm gonna drive for another eight hours to get to where i'm going <laughs> yeah. when, when i can stop right here and there are a lot of guys happy with this place right here um but you know we we try not to to drop too many names on this podcast but lbl is one of those man that like if you hunt yeah. in the south and you want to get to bigger deer like you've heard of it. It's not, That's a, right. it's not a That's mystery right. out there. All you got to do is Google, like, where should I deer hunt? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm yeah, I definitely got some spots that I will not drop the name of, but, <laughs> but land between the lakes, like, and it's so big, man. It's, it's, it's right. close to 200,000 acres. It's, it spreads over Kentucky and Tennessee. Right. Like there's plenty of land, um, plenty of places. I'll gladly, if you want to go to LBO, reach out to me, I'll take you and, and, and kind of get you started because it's, it is a, it's a great place. If you you've never hunted um if you're looking for your first out-of-state trip as a southerner like it's a great place it's a it's a right. relatively easy drive for anybody regardless of what state you're in even for me it's you know 10 or 11 hours not that bad um and and it's got a little bit of everything right. um the the deer population is really good it's big enough that yeah it's got some pressure but you can easily get away from that pressure and and i you know i one of the things that I, I, I talk about uh, uh, and I like to look for in public land and people might, some people will probably shy away from this, but I like to look for places that have a lot of recreational pressure, oh, yeah. non-hunting related. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Like non-threatening pressure is what I right. call it. Right. Um, and, and so because of that, the deer get a little bit more, a little bit, I think more accustomed to, um, to human pressure, right? They, they can obviously tell the difference between a hunter and a hiker. I, I firmly right. believe that. Yep. Um, but they don't tend to they don't tend to be 12 miles off the road, right? They're they're kind of used to it. You can you can actually get on deer, you know, without having to bust your tail uh, and, and get as far back there. So I like looking for places like that, and it's one of the things that makes LBL unique. Is it's gonna it's got a ton of recreational pressure year round on it, from horse riding to um, OHV off highway vehicle riding, um, hiking, fishing, like all kind of stuff. Um, but it also has a ton of deer and it doesn't take long to find them. So I'm, I, you know, it's one of those places that I, I will keep my spot secret there, but I will absolutely <laughs> share. Um, and, 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 you know, it's a great place for people to get started if they're looking for that kind of thing. Yeah. So I mentioned on your show a minute ago, like I'm hunting when I'm, when I'm going out of, out of state, right. I'm looking for those areas that have a lot of pressure. And when I say a lot of pressure, yeah, I mean some bow hunting pressure in there because I'm not going up there during gun seasons. Um, But I, but I, I mean what you're saying that non-threatening pressure, because I've seen the same thing. I, I don't have to go quite as deep to get on deer. 
I can get away with a little bit more when it comes to, uh, you know, my ground scent and that kind of stuff. Like I can go burn through an area and expect the next day for the deer to act the same way as they would have otherwise, because there's like, Oh yeah, somebody walked through here. Like, duh, that always happens. Now make the mistake and let them see you in a tree. And they, yeah, it changes it all. Oh, it changes everything. I've watched, I've watched an eight point watch two dogs. He was feeding underneath my tree, two year old, eight feeding underneath my tree. Watch two dogs run by. Their owner walks by. They didn't notice him. He goes back to eating. Calmly. Didn't care. Right? If he would have known I was in that tree, he would have turned absolutely inside out. Inside out. This Gone. guy, these people walked by him at like 60 yards, 50 yards. Yeah. I mean, no reason, you know? I do for, the same thing here. I, 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 when I... Um, I, I typically, and you kind of hinted on it. Um, I, I really only kind of hunt Florida early season, right? When, when archery season first comes in, which is like middle of September in, in, in Northeast Florida. Um, and it just happens to coincide with our rut timing here. So it's, it's perfect. Uh, and we've got a pretty good quota system for public land where you can apply to right the, the different areas you want. And I always look for the places that I know are going to have, pressure throughout the year right state parks um big hiking trails you know places where people are biking just because of those things that that you said i mean i've I've been hunting on um and this was actually on a piece of private land but the florida trail goes right through this piece of this this property right right on the edge of the suwannee river and um the florida trail it's like our version of the appalachian trail right so it goes you know, from one end of the state, basically, or from the south end of the state, basically to the north end. And um, I've been been sitting there and have people come by, come down the hiking trail, and within minutes have deer feeding on the hiking trail, right? Hunting in bow range of the hiking trail because yep. they use it as a pathway because it's so thick everywhere else. Right. And they just, you know, they, they know the difference. So being able to kind of, I don't know, leverage that to, to, to kind of your – um, your benefit that, that I've, I've found that found that to be extremely beneficial. And, you know, maybe we might be telling too many secrets because, but um, I typically find that those areas are easier to draw the quotas on to. Oh, right? yeah. It's like not as many people yep. are applying because they're afraid of that pressure. Yep. Like I don't want to have to go deal with the horse riders. I don't want to have to go deal with the hikers. Okay. That's fine. Yep. I will. And I'll hunt right off the hiking trail and I'm going to see deer. Right. Dude. Folks who want to go to the Midwest, I'll tell you right now, find a spot in the Midwest where there is a ton of pheasant pressure. I mean, pheasant hunters out the wazoo. I'm talking pheasant hunters walking that spot all day, every day. Go find those places that have some good deer cover, right, and some good trees, uh, or even so-so trees, and go go hunt out there. Because it runs a lot of bow hunters off because they don't want to be bothered by shotguns mm-hmm. going off all day. Um, and those deer are used to that kind of pressure. Like they're jumping bucks. We're, we're talking pheasant hunters who are jumping bucks in the same big fields every single day through October and into November. Why are yeah. those bucks still betting in that field? Why are they still there? Cause they yeah. don't, they don't care. They don't register that as a threat because they're so used to it by that point. Yep, they've never been shot by one of those hunters. They've never been chased by one of those hunters. The dogs haven't chased them, right? They could come right back to it. Yeah, right. I, I, we're a thousand percent agree. Yeah, and that, so that, that's huge for my strategy. But, man, let, let's jump back to, to Land Between the Lakes there. Another reason that I think it's a good spot, because I've, I've driven it, I've checked it out, I've, I've threatened to do it, man. I'm, like, just barely shy of pulling the trigger. A lot of those communities around there, are set up well for hunters too. So there's a lot of 
campgrounds and that kind of stuff. Like they're catering to hunters coming to the area. So there's a lot of uh, amenities that some other, you know, smaller public land pieces aren't going to offer you like land between the lakes, like you can find on the borders of it basically That's right. because it, yeah. they are set up for hunters. And even in the heart of land between the lakes, uh, you know, th- we actually stay on a campground in land between the lakes right. on the, on, on, you know, on the, um, the forest there that, that has cabins, right? right? Right. It's got cabins and right across the, 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 the driveway from the cabin is a bathhouse, right? That's so you got a shower, you got, you, you got a, a washing machine and dryer down the hill. You got everything you need right there. Um, uh, and to your point, a 15 minute drive, you're, you're in town can go get you a hot meal. If you're tired of eating over the campfire or, or cooking in your little, little cabin, there's uh, a ton of stuff. And, and it is, it, those places, um, you know, not to get on like any kind of soapbox here, but as hunters, like we, we need to, we need to give back to the resources that give to us. Right. And the only way that places like LBL stay publicly owned and maintained is by the money you spend there. Right. right. They, they don't get a ton of federal or state funding. They just don't. So those towns, um, those communities, those, those pieces of public land, need you to spend money and, and, and to go and use those places. So um, it, it, we always like to stay on, on the site. So we're buying our campfire from the camp or camp or firewood from the campground. We're buying our ice from the campground, uh, whatever we can do. And by the way, we're going by the, the visitor center and buying a souvenir every time. Yep. Um, and one of the other cool things, non hunting related to kind of hunting related, but LBL has is they have an elk and bison prairie, mm. right? So it's a, a, a maybe a thousand acres, give or take, that's high fenced, but you, you, you go in, you pay $5 and you drive a paved road through it and it's loaded with big bull elk and, and huge, huge bison, man. And so every time we're there, we're going to go make a drive through there and go look, go look at the animals, you know, and it, it, part of it is to give back, but part of it is I never get to see elk. I right. hope one day I'm going right. to get to go to Montana or Colorado and do it. Uh, I haven't yet, but that sometimes, you know, maybe that might be as close as I get to a bugling elk in, in the real world. So. Yeah. Well, I can't believe they're letting a bunch of itchy trigger, trigger finger folks like yourself drive through there during, during bow season, man. It's, it's a little sketchy. You wonder about it. You know how some of these small towns are, too. You're like, oh, man, man, surely some of these rednecks around here are trying it out. Uh, like, dude, <laughs> somebody's, somebody's snipped somebody. that fence. Somebody, yeah. Somebody's at least walked up to that fence with a pair of pliers and been like, mm. uh, And thought about it. Yeah, yeah thought about it. I, they, wonder they, if this thing's, I wonder if this thing's electric. Right, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, like, I wonder what kind of trouble I would really get in. Like, yeah, is it really that big yeah. of a deal? So, man, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So, tell me. I find it interesting that you've been going to Kentucky for so long because I guess, gosh, 17 years ago, that's not as, as early in the two thousands as I thought it was. Uh, but you were kind of going in that time frame when Kentucky was not quite a sleeper state, but kind of like on the verge of being discovered. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. that was early on in like now Kentucky, we almost lump it in with the Midwest. Don't even call it the South anymore just because of the the deer hunting that they have there. But really, it was a sleeper state for a long time. I remember reading, you know, deer and deer hunting articles in like 2003, 2004 that were like, oh, Kentucky, you know, is uh, now, you know, coming on the scene. So you've been going for a long time. What what drew you there? And then maybe uh, what's what what have you experienced as far as like, you know, hunter success? What keeps you going back? 
Yeah, so um, I think we we actually started going, um, and I say we, it was a, a big group of guys. I was still living in Alabama at the time. Um, and we started going kind of at the beginning of it, coming out of that sleeper state phase, right? Um, and it was just, it, it was just a, really what drew us there was, number one, it was over the counter. It was only about a six, six, seven hour drive from where I was living at the time. Um, so it was easy for us to get to. It was easy to get access. We didn't have to worry about draw. I think at that time, and I might be wrong, um, I've killed a bunch of brain cells since 2006, but um, uh, I, I believe still at that time, uh, Illinois, like that was, yeah, everybody wanted to go to Pike County, Illinois. Right. Um, right. right that, in, or be in that golden triangle, right? So, um, but you had to draw tags, right? There was no over the counter archery tag back then, I don't think. Um, so it was real easy for us to just kind of say, okay, this is where we're going. We chose it number one because it was a big piece of land, and we felt like, okay, we we didn't have really any public land experience back in those days. We were uh, most of the guys I went with. We were all in the same hunting club in Alabama, and so um, you know we were we were number one scared of pressure, um, and, and kind of that whole public land um, kind of. You know, misnomer about it, just, you know, everybody being there, right, and right. That, that whole thing. Um, and so we felt like it was big enough that we could we could get away from people if we had to. Um, and so that was – that's why we chose it first. And, and um, you know, the very first year that was – that was, again, that was probably 2006 or 2007. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but the – LBL was at the peak of its of it of its good time right, right then. Right. Like it, there were deer everywhere. They had so many deer that at that time you could actually kill. Kentucky was a one buck state, except for Atlanta between the lakes. You could kill a bonus buck there. So there it was getting a lot of pressure because you know so uh, a, a resident would kill a kill a deer on another piece of public or on their private, knowing that they could still come back to, to LBL and get a get a bonus buck there. Nice. Um, and if you were hunting LBL, you could kill two bucks on LBL, one on your state tag and one as a bonus buck. Um, so the deer numbers were crazy. That very first year, um, I saw, you know, somewhere between 20 and two dozen bucks. Um, and I'd never, never laid eyes on the place. Um, it, it was crazy. I missed a really good deer that I couldn't get to stop. And I shot just over his back, probably a 125, 130 inch, nine or 10 point. I don't know. He was, he was rut crazed and moving quick and I couldn't get him to stop. I just remember, Oh my gosh, there's a big buck. Yeah, young twenties from Alabama. I had not seen a ton of big deer like that. And I yeah. was, it was, I grunted him up too. Like it was awesome. Um, and so that very first year we, 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 we all saw a lot of deer, um, had one guy in the, in the group killed, killed a deer about the size of the one I missed. Um, like 125 inch nine point another guy killed us a, a smaller but really nice eight point again from boys from south alabama we were pumped uh several does got killed like it was just a good trip um for whatever reason we didn't go back for a couple of years um and during that time frame they actually got hit with uh with cwd or ehd one of one of the yeah, two i'm not yeah, exactly sure EHD. Yeah. yeah, and so they went from like having like thirty deer per square mile down to like ten deer a square mile. Um, and so as we started going back, um, it just wasn't as good. Like like it took right. a couple years for that to to, to kind of change. But 
uh, there were still deer there, and and we were still seeing bucks. And it took me like I, I, this might be uh, an indictment on my ability as a hunter, but it took me like on my sixth trip before I actually put an arrow in one. Um, but then consecutively two years in a row, boom, I was able to, uh, to, to shoot two really nice deer there. Um, one was, um, again, probably that 125 inch age or 125 inch class deer. I, I, I'm not big on measuring deer. If, if he's big enough for me to want to shoot then I'm happy with him, right? I'm not a right. trophy hunter. I'm a deer hunter, right. Uh, right. but a really nice deer. Uh, the next year I killed one that was a tank, like probably, 215 pounds um which is big the, the the deer there there's not a ton of ag so they're not huge body deer right uh, but this deer was old um just an old gnarly messed up seven point um and and i've seen i've seen multiple deer that that you know were probably going to be 150 um from driving around at night to in the tree stand right the, like you see them there they're they're there and just just a man it's it's such a pretty place one of my buddies that goes with me every year he calls it eye candy right everything he sees there every as you're driving down the road you can just you 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 feel like you can just stop anywhere and get on deer um and we've also um met some guys in camp uh, and got got to know some guys that have killed some really really good deer that have been hunting it for for 20 years every year religiously um we were there we left this was probably 12, 15 years ago. We left, and within minutes, basically, of us hitting the road, one of my buddies on a Facebook group sends me a picture uh, of a 200-inch deer that was killed that day that we left, right? So they're there. Yeah. Uh, and then a few, it was crazy. That's a crazy story. Uh, so it got sent, my buddy sends me this picture of this deer, this 200-inch deer that gets killed, and, like, he's just a huge, non-typical, just cr- massive deer, um, deer of a lifetime. Fast forward uh, a handful of years, and I'm uh, actually at, at the campground uh, the morning after I killed uh, the big nine point, and I'm, I'm cleaning him, you know, uh, starting to debone him, getting him ready to go. Guy drives up to me. He's like, that's a nice deer, man. And I, I see his face, and I'm like, I don't know this guy, but I've seen him somewhere before, you know. And I started digging through my pictures, and I'm like, dude, did you kill a big deer here several years ago? And it was it was the guy that killed the two hundred inch deer. Yeah, it turns out he was from Alabama too. We had a long conversation, Um, and uh, so you know it's just you know the place has got the opportunities, Um, and it's so big. Every year I'm able to, even though I've got a pretty good base knowledge, like I've got one tree that I know that if I get a halfway decent wind, and I sit that tree. Like, I'm going to get an opportunity to shoot at a deer. You know, he might be this big and he might be, you know, this big, right? He might be huge. Um, but I, I've got one spot that I know if I go there, I'm going to get an opportunity to shoot over the trip. But every time, you know, there's so much more of it that I want to learn that right. I kind of save that to like my, as my ace in the hole and won't even go into it until the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, so there's always something to learn, it, man. It's a unique place. You gotta, you, you'll have to, to to plan to go with us the next time we go, man. Dude, like the, I just googled it. It's five hours and forty minutes for me. Oh yeah, it's money, so, dude. Like, dude, like for you, that's an easy trip. That's it. That's e- I mean, I can leave here that morning and hunt that afternoon. Like that's yeah. that's too easy. 
Yeah, me and my wife are actually talking when my daughter graduates and, and moves and we're empty nesters. Like, how do we move closer to LBL? Like, that's Man. what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's it's certainly beautiful up there. Um, you know, like like I said before, I threaten to go all the time. Um, pretty much every year, you know, I find myself wondering, like, why in the heck did I drive? I mean, this year especially, man. I'm driving back with a, you know, 85-inch deer in the cooler and – wondering to myself, like I'm passing all these deer in Illinois and I'm pulling it up. Yep. That's public. And I see a buck out there chasing does in a field. I'm like, why am I driving past all these deer to get to Wisconsin? (laughs) Now, granted, I mean, you, you saw a picture earlier of the buck I shot at in Wisconsin, probably a two-year-old, probably over 130 inches as a two-year-old. Right. So I mean, we've, and the deer I was, the deer I was chasing there was probably in the one eighties, like the one I couldn't catch up to, couldn't find him again. Um, you know, I had chances at another deer that was probably in the 150s. Um, so, I mean, you know, a lot of lot of big deer up there, but it's like, man, there's there's a lot of big deer in a lot of places, and LBL is one of them. So, I'm I think, Well, I think part of that, too, is like like you, your Wisconsin, your spot in Wisconsin, it's a known commodity, right? You've got right. that comfort level. Like, right. you know, right. just like my place in, in – uh, in Kentucky, I know if I go to LBL that I might I might try to find something new, but I know I've got a spot that I, I know I've got a place that if I go, right. I'm gonna get on a deer, and it, that's the same thing. Like I, I I almost didn't go to Kentucky this year because I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna take that time. I'm already buying an out of state tag for for Alabama, right? Like why don't I just instead of going there, maybe I'll just use that tag and I'll hunt one of the you know, play so, something new in Alabama. Right. And then inside I was like, yeah, but you know, like it's going to be the rut when you go there and you know yeah. that you're going to get an opportunity instead of having to learn something new. So it, yeah. that, having that, that comfort level, that known commodity is, uh, it, it, that helps too. Right. For sure. And it, and it does, man. That's one of the things that keeps me going back to Wisconsin. Cause like you said, there, there are, you know, I'm always trying to learn something new. I'm always trying new pieces of public, but there are a couple of trees that I'm like, if I sit in that tree, you know, if I sit there all day, I'm yeah. going to see something that I would be happy to shoot probably. Like, there's a really good a really good chance of that. So, um, anyway, so I'm curious, man, with such a big spot, like, it's obviously a, a, a giant area. Like, you know, when it comes to picking out where you're going to be, like, what helps you to narrow down on, like, this is the general area or this is the location that, that you want to be honing in on like what are the things that you're looking for because there's not a lot of ag it's big woods Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure like you said a lot of it just looks the same so what does that look like for you there's two there's i'll I'll say three things that i really look for number one and this is like like as basic as it gets where do you see deer from the road uh the very first year that we went um i didn't get there i drove separately from from the rest of the guys um and i got there probably like midnight that night on the way into the campground three really nice deer crossed the road in front of me in three separate places and so and that was before i had on x so i'm like physically trying to remember and make and make points in my mind like how do i get back to this spot come to find out as i get to camp several of them had done the same thing coming in driving in and seeing deer you know they actually drove around um after they got there after they got set up at camp and 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 saw multiple deer crossing the road and so we we literally started by okay we know there was a good deer here we know there was a nice deer 
let's go let's go expand on that so honestly scouting from the road um was is one of the and I, we still do that today we will come back in from a night of um an afternoon of hunting right we'll grab a little bite to eat and we call it making a milk run and we'll just jump in the truck and we'll just ride they're all paved road most of what we ride is all paved roads and um normal traffic on it and we're not we're not shining or doing anything right wrong we're just driving and looking for deer across the road that's something i i used in illinois i think we talked about it um maybe on on my show we recorded earlier but on a trip to illinois last year um I, I saw was had come back from getting a bite to eat in town and was headed back to the campground to, to sleep and saw a really nice buck in a place that I had scouted a little bit that, that day, just um, by, by coincidence, a, a really, really good deer, like 140, 150 inch eight point, just like as big as an eight point can be. He had a huge flyer. He was actually a nine because he had a big kicker off of his left cheek too. Um, never forget it because I saw him like, 15 yards from the truck stopped right he was he was standing there um and so the next morning i was like okay well i scouted that i kind of know where a tree is i can climb in there i'm gonna go i'm gonna go in there the next day i had him in within 80 yards for two and a half hours locked down with a doe right so yeah and and saw seven different bucks that i would have shot that morning from that tree um so you know uh, number one for me is like break it down by riding go just go check it out see what it is spend a full day if you you know if you're going on a trip like that you need a minimum of 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 five days if it's your first one and you really expect to have any kind of luck you need a minimum of five days right so you can spend a couple of those days scouting anyway take one of them and ride it because you're, you're gonna learn um what the what the place looks like um you're, you're probably going to have an opportunity to just actually see some deer uh across the road and and no better uh intel than actually seeing deer on their feet right right um and can, then number can two you shine? go ahead can you shine there in kentucky is that legal i know like wisconsin it's legal to shine if you don't have a weapon in the car yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I growing up in, in Alabama, where it was absolutely yeah. not legal. It's right. just one of those things that I don't do. Right. Um. Uh. So I, I I don't even look for the regulation on that. Right. Um. It is possible you can, but I would probably on any public land like if, like I'm I'm not doing it right. Yeah. Like I, I don't. <laughs> you got no, no, You no, got to no, be no. ready to get pulled over. That's right. Like you're, That's right. You got to get be ready to get checked out, like for yeah, sure. Yeah, so I don't. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you that, but I mean, honestly, you you know, like I do. If you're in a deer rich area, if you drive the road, just 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 drive around at night and make the loops. You're going to see deer cross the road, and then right. hopefully you see the right one. And as you're driving, you know, um, kind of talking, going back to to what am I looking for? If I'm spending a day driving, part of that is, and you hear a lot of people say this, but I'm I'm scouting the hunters too. Like, where is every, where are the trucks at? Right. Uh, LBL specifically, like it's not one of these areas where you have to park at a parking lot. You can literally just pull off the side of the road as long as you're not not blocking a gate, right? Um, you just pull off the shoulder of the road and, and go in wherever. So I'm absolutely doing that, right? Kind of, kind of checking and seeing where the the most pressure is. I'll go look at the other campgrounds in the area and see how many look like they're set up with hunters, right? And kind of because because yep. one thing you'll find, I think, um, in a lot of places like that that I've seen is if the hunters can find a place close to camp to hunt, they will, 
right? right. So the more hunters you have in camp, the more pressure there's going to be in, in, within a certain radius of that campground. Um, it's no different. And I'm no different. If I can find a place close to the camp, that, that allows me to sleep. 20 extra minutes in the morning, you know, right, right. Um, and, and have a little bit more time at the camp with the boys at night. So, um, you know, I, I check the campgrounds. I'm really just looking for pressure and not that it bothers me, but I just don't want to hunt on top of it at somebody. And I'm not the person um, I, I want to respect everybody else that's out there too. If, even if I've, multiple times that tree that I've got in, in Kentucky, there will be a truck park really close to it. I can almost bet money that they're not hunting where I'm at, but just in the event that I, I might walk past them or, or, or mess up their hunt, like I'll, I'll just walk away from it. There's plenty of land. I'm, I'm okay with, with somebody else. You know, it's not my tree. It's my favorite tree, but it's not my tree. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just, I, I really want to know where everything, you know, where everybody's at. Um, and then the last thing is I look for, thick nasty cover there um it, it's not lbl is one of those places it's got a ton of roads in it so you know the the, the thought that you're going to be able to get way away from hunters and walk miles and miles for the most part doesn't exist there right because you if you walk a mile in any direction you're probably going to run into another road um but, and, 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 you know, we talked about, or I talked about it, my buddy calling everything eye candy, man, everything, right. a lot of that that you're seeing are these big open hardwoods. I'm, if there's a place that's got more white oak trees in it than LBL, uh, I'd like to see it. Cause man, as a dude that grows up hunting the thickets and clear cuts in Alabama and then moves to Florida and has got to deal with Palmetto flats and, uh, the, this thick stuff, you know, you, you walk up and see one of these ridges that you can see from hundreds of yards down like you just want to post up because man this is a it's a great change in scenery and you know during the right time of year you get on the right ridge the right saddle the right point right or or, or kind of the right hub it might might be fine to hunt some of that open stuff but what i found is that um you know the the thicker and this is no no shock too i mean most people talk about it but if you can find something thick and nasty and get get on the edge of it or get get right inside of it i typically have a little bit more more luck there i mean my my, my top spots there are places that are um you know the, the tree that i'm talking about that i love to climb i think that most people have probably it, it's not a hard walk it's not hard to get to um but when you walk into it, there's like zero trees to climb because the ones you can climb are either leaning or they're, you know, there's just no tree that you're going to put a climber on, right? It's not going to happen. Um, and then the trees that are in like the spot that you want to be are a bunch of cedar trees that have limbs all in them that you can't get into. Right. And it's just thick. It's just nasty. It's not what you would expect or really want to hunt. Um, and so I think people actually probably just walk by this spot. When I hunt it, right. my feet are only like seven feet off the ground. Right. Jeez, I'm, okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I, but it's what you, it's kind of what you have to do to get there or, or to get in the spot. So I'm, I'm looking for that thick stuff. We don't, you know, one of the things we don't see a lot of does at LBL, um, it, it's really weird. I know they're there. I see them a ton driving around at night, but from the tree, I just don't see a lot of does. Um, and I, I, I don't know why that is. It could be the fact that I'm hunting these places that are really thick and that 
that when I do see a deer, it's typically just a buck or it's typically a buck. Um, and, and, you know, I think they're, again, I don't mind the pressure. I I search out pressure in a lot of cases, um, but deer, you know, deer, deer, and they're going to want to get, be as safe as they can. So I'm looking for the thick stuff close to food, um, where, where deer's got multiple places he can get out of there. Yeah. So what, what are we, what are you looking at? Like what constitutes thick cover? Cause like there's a thick that's like Florida thick. Yeah. And there's yeah. a thick that's like Alabama thick. But then, you know, you can you can say thick for one place and it ain't thick for another. So Yeah. So I, I really kind of, and I hate to use like the, you know, the cliche terms that you hear in all the hunting world, but, but like really just young growth high stem count, right? You get a okay. lot of those places in there that have got um, – you know, it's land between the lakes. So it's in between two rivers, basically, uh, two lakes. And so there are some bottoms and, 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 and areas that kind of have that river bottom feel. Right. Right. And, and, and have that, that young river bottom, I, I call it young, but it, it almost, man, there, there's a couple of spots that I, they almost remind me of mesquite trees. I couldn't tell you what, what type of tree it is, but it's a lot of them and they're just, they're just thick. They're, they're, they are similar to like that mesquite look, right? Short, a lot of bushy limbs on them, kind of spaced out a little bit, but but from from above, from the, kind of the outside, it looks super thick. Once you get into them, you can kind of move around and walk walk through them. Um, and then there's a lot of uh, the river. I'll call it like river birch, um, right? Or I call them river gums in my redneck. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a big, uh, I, I, I need to be better at understanding, all, knowing all of the, the, the tree types. I, that, that's an admitted failure on my part, but, um, I call them like river gums and, okay. you know, you'll, you'll get those trees that are like, you know, as big around as your, as your forearm, right. And there's, but there's just a bunch of them up against a Creek or, or, or just off of the river. Um, and most of the time at LBL, especially, um, or specifically, most of those are in the bottoms, okay. right? Um, I hear a lot of people talk about deer in, in, in hill country and, 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 you know, places where there's a lot of ridges. Deer like to bed on top of the ridges. But at LBL, for the most part, the tops of those ridges, at least in the areas I hunt, tops of the ridges are pretty open, Yeah, right? Evolved. There may yep. be some laydowns here. You might have a place that, that a storm blew down some trees, and those will absolutely hold deer. But for the most part, the thick stuff is going to be – um, in bottoms. And so I like, I'm always looking for a point that's coming off of something, maybe a little bit more open, but, but is, is, is kind of intersecting with, with some of that thick stuff. Right. How important is like buck sign, deer sign, really fresh, hot sign for you when you guys are hunting there? I just, when I think about a place like LBL, you know, I think a little bit lower deer density than some places that you might yeah. go hunt. I think, you know, big woods, not a lot of ag, sign is just different it just works different there right like when i'm in southern wisconsin i will walk past stuff that if 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 i found it in alabama i'm like i'm hunting here for the whole next week like i can't leave this spot because there's so much sign if i see that in wisconsin i'm like nah, not a big deal so what is lbl like like i I feel like that's a spot where it's almost more terrain than it is sign even you nailed it it is um there and, and LBL, again, because a lot of it is, is all these hardwoods and the time of year we're getting there, um, finding scrapes is not super easy because either the leaf fall has got them covered up or um, 
you know, one of the things, and, and I don't know this to be true. This is just an observation that I've made that I kind of believe, but um, it's kind of rocky, right? Not like big rocks, but like the, you know, kind of like the Crete rock that you would find, right? The, just a small, a, a lot of that, a lot of the ground there, the ridge side, the, the hillsides and the bottoms have that rock in them. And so, I don't think that even in these hubs, uh, right, where you would typically think, man, there's going to be scrapes down there, right? Right. You hear people talk about the hub scrapes and all that. I don't think the deer there like to scrape as much or do scrape as much in in, inside the woods, right? Because of the fact that they're going to have to scrape rocks out of the way, Um, right? It's just not conducive to a scrape. Um, certainly uh, there are places you find them, that spot that I'm talking about that I love to hunt. There is a place there that year after year, there's a scrape. And, um, so for me, when I do find a scrape there in the woods, that's fresh, I'm, I'm probably hunting it because they're just not that prevalent. Um, and so when I see one, I, I, I know for a fact that that right there's something in there and he's probably staying in there pretty regular um the, I, I feel like those deer have or at least in the spots that i hunt again because they're I, i'm kind of concentrating on some of those thickets um i don't think that they're roaming as much as they would in a bunch of big woods i think that those deer are there i've got multiple stories of me seeing the same buck trip over trip in the same little core area uh or you know day after day in the same core area it happened to me this year while I was out there. So I don't think that those deer are moving as much. So if I find a fresh scrape, I'm, I'm hunting it right there. I don't pay as much attention to rubs. Um, they're like, I, I'm kind of like you. I walk past rubs there that if I was in Alabama, I would at least hang a camera on them, right. Or, or in that area, you know, I'd find a place to, to kind of set up and, and, and scout a little bit more because rubs are everywhere there. They're everywhere. You're driving down the road and you're like, there's a rub there's from the truck. You know, there's a rub, there's a rub, there's a rub all over the place. Um, so I don't, I don't pay uh, as much attention to rubs unless it's in a spot that I'm also finding a scrape. Um, what I typically am looking for there is, it's just deer sign. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a concentration of deer sign, something that says there's multiple deer in this area right now. Because again, I'm not hunting a deer on a specific bed or on a specific pattern. I, I want, I'm hunting a buck that's looking for a doe. Right. And so I want to be in a place where there's a lot of deer that gives me an opportunity to, for there to be the right doe that that deer is looking for, or for him to just be coming through there. Cause he knows there's, there's a lot of deer there. So I'm looking for, 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 creek crossings that have tracks i'm looking for actual kind of beat down trails on the side of the hills um i just i want a concentration of deer sign i don't care if it's buck or not because i of the time of year that i'm hunting there right right um and and because i don't get a chance to scout it i'm not hunting a specific deer i just drove 11 and a half hours let let the right spike come by me he might get shot you know what i'm saying so um yeah yeah uh yeah i'm really and and i I, that's kind of typically my style anyway is i'm i want to i like to see deer i like to have action i get a limited amount of days in the woods um as it is and i want as many of those to be filled with deer sightings as i can and that probably cost me the opportunity at some of the better deer because I'm not trying to target one. Um, but again, I don't have, I don't run a tr- ton of trail cameras. It's just not, that's just not my style. I, l- I like to go hunt 
deer sign as it's popping up. Um, and for me, like there's not a better piece of deer sign anywhere that I hunt than a lot of deer tracks. Right. I'm looking for a lot of deer tracks. And if I can find a big one mixed in there, then n- now we're talking. Right. Man, I, I, I've always understood the mindset that says, Hey, you know, we're not, we're not hunting deer, we're hunting mature bucks. And so I don't care about all that deer sign. I'm after this one buck and looking for his sign and looking for his track and all that stuff. I get that. Um, I just really like hunting deer. Like I like seeing, I like seeing a lot of deer and man, it seems like my success has gone up when I quit worrying about like, Oh, I've got to find his bed with his rub and find out where he's eating in October. When I quit doing that and shifted my focus into hunting the rut and started saying, okay, where are the concentrations of deer? And then, okay, within this concentration, where is that buck probably going to move within this, you know, within this radius that I've determined is a good area. Now, where's the... I don't want to say the spot within the spot because Mark Kenyon says that all the time. I want to steal his thing, but like, but I mean, really, like yeah, the most likely spot that a buck would be in this area. Right. Where yeah, is he going to? Sure. Where is he going to walk through? Where he can check all of this out? All of that. Yeah. And you know, if he can hit two or three spots in that and feel like he understands everything and knows what's going on and knows where the hot does are, um, that's what he's going to do. And yeah. so, like, it seems like that's where I've had the most success. So I'm right there with you, man. Lots of track, like, dude. I don't care if I see any rubs. I don't care if I see any scrapes. If I see a pile of tracks, I, yeah. I'm setting up shop. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Like they don't I, lie. I, found, I hunted a new spot at LVO this year, and I want, like, like I'm going to try to tiptoe around the way I describe it because it's not super hard to find. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, thousands of deer tracks um, in this one area that didn't. It, just just because of the type of terrain it was, there, there was no leaves, right? It was just kind of kind of mud. Um, and I mean, just deer tracks like crazy. And so when I went and when I saw that, and actually, as I was walking to the spot, it, I'd kind of been in the area before, um, but I wanted to, to learn it a little bit more. And as I was walking into it the very first afternoon, there's a, and this is, you know, October the 24th or 25th. And it's all like 70 degrees. I'm wearing a, a short sleeve shirt as I'm walking in, you know, with my stat on my back, I see, a doe and as i get to looking there's a really nice eight point with her right and he's just watching her every move i actually watched him lay down like three times over the 45 minutes and i'm sitting there staring at him through my binoculars they're like 150 yards away i couldn't make a move on him just by the because of the way the terrain was so i just watched and learned um and and then i sat as once i got a little further in and kind of where they were the number of deer tracks was just mind-blowing like i was i i, I was it, I've never seen this much concentration of sign up there and very few places outside of a, a cornfield or a soybean field in Illinois. Have I seen this many tracks, you know? Right. And so as long as the wind was good, I was hunting that spot and it was only, you know, the, the very next morning I come in there headlamp on and maybe I don't want to give too much again, try not to give too much away about this spot, but not too far from me. I, I saw three or four other headlamps. Oh, right. Okay. But now because of the way this area sets up, like they were not messing me up. Um, 
and and I wasn't going to mess them up, right? It wasn't pressure that I was worried about. If anything, I thought that might actually help me a little bit. And I still, that morning, I had one of the uh, a buck that I saw the afternoon before came by just out of range. Um, I had another buck coming in, and my dumb self made a move and didn't realize he was there. And as I was kind of shifting in the saddle, he picked me up. He was coming down a ridge and I was kind of a little bit lower than I probably should have been. Uh, and he saw me, but saw multiple bucks in there with, you know, and four hunters within, you know, four to 600 yards from me that I knew were there. Yeah. And, um, and they weren't, you know, weren't hard to, hard to see it. I I know one of them was making a ton of racket before daylight because I could hear him and watch his headlamp. (laughs) I don't know what he was doing, man, but he was either climbing up trees and back down, or he was Uh, trying to find the right tree. But I watched his headlamp till well after shooting light. I don't know if he forgot he had it on or what the case was, but, um, but yeah, it was just because for, for, that particular spot had something that the deer needed and and so there was a bunch of them there and when the wind was good i hunted it and i saw deer and you know should have had opportunities that deer was was really close um so yeah man it's for me i want to see the traffic i've heard people say that you know the big bucks want to be or or some big bucks like to be like solitude and and don't want to Man, maybe that's true. And if I had the opportunity to, to, to scout and really, you know, year day in and day out, week in and week out, really learn a piece of property and break it down and learn one buck that I wanted to chase, I might approach it a little bit different. But on these short trips, you know, when I'm trying to make the most out of it, I feel like if there's a lot of deer using the area, the big buck, the mature bucks understand that the deer are using that area for a reason, right? They must feel safe there. If all the other deer are going there and not coming back shot and you're not right they're they're not blowing and they're not, there's not a lot of stuff going yeah. on. Right. Like, like I think that, that they understand that and, and, and they may not use the exact same trail. They may not come out the exact same way or, 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 or treat it the same way that the, the, the majority of the deer do. But when it's time for that, that that book to, to find, find a doe, right? He knows right. where they're going to be and he, he can't help but come through there. He's right. got to come through there if he's looking for a doe. So right. he's good. He's going to relate to that spot. That's right. Some that's right. way. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that's deer, excellent. Deer are deer and deer are going to do deer things. Right. And if all the deer in one area are doing something, the likelihood that there's one deer, one deer that's not going to do at least what the other, or do what the other deer do at least a few times over the hunting season. Like I, I just, I just don't buy that necessarily. Yeah. No, that's good. That's really good. And I, and I think it may be more true maybe early season, like right after bachelor groups break, break up but there's still like not any hint of rutting activity. That may yeah. be a window that that's happening, but dude, it seems like for the rest of the time, especially even as you get into late season, like it sure seems like where I see the bucks is where I just see big concentrations that's right. of deer. I would agree. You know? I would agree. Um, yeah. Anyway, well dude, let, let's, let's pivot just a little bit. We're, we're going on like 50 something minutes now, so I don't want to oh, keep man, you all night. I like to talk. Uh, but, but look, you've, you've got uh, another, so you're, you're obviously with Southern game and tackle. But you've got another organization that you're with, and I, I wanted to dive into that just a little bit and hear about what you guys do because it sounds like tremendous work. So can you go into that in detail just a little bit? Yeah, for sure, man. So I'm um, on the board of directors for a uh, nonprofit uh, called Project Savior Outdoors. Um, one of my best friends from here in Jacksonville uh, founded this um, not quite a year ago, actually. Like, we're, we're really young. Um, but Mike, uh, Mike Dragic, that's, that's my boy. He's a... Um, 
he's a veteran, former Marine. Um, and since he uh, has, has gotten out of the service, uh, he's had 15 of his former um you know, guys that he served with that have committed suicide, um, wow. and 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 has had uh, you know another few friends from the service that have um, been really close to that. And so um, Mike is a uh, uh, strong in his faith, one of the boldest Christians I know. Um, honored to call him a friend, and you know, as, as he's kind of he, he, going through what his his friends are going through, right? What his former uh, you know, teammates, right, if you will, are going through. Um, he, he just wanted to fit, he, he just wanted to know what he could do more. And um, so as he kind of prayed through and worked through that, it, it became, you know, how can he leverage the things that he's passionate about, uh, which are the outdoors and Jesus, right, uh, to help these guys. Right. Um, and so from that, um, he decided to found Project Savior Outdoors, asked me to be uh, part of the board. I did not serve. I, I've got no military background. I'm not a first responder. I'm just a, a redneck from Alabama who loves to hunt and loves Jesus. Um but, uh, you know, because of my love of the outdoors, probably because of, of having some of the, the, the connections and just the Southern Game and Tackle space that I've been in, he felt like that would be, you know, that, that I'd be an asset to it. And I, I couldn't be more honored that he asked me to join it. But basically, man, our mission statement is that we're um, connecting with veterans through the outdoors and pointing them to uh, freedom with that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Like, um, you know, so many of, of – of these veterans come back and man, we do as a, as a country, we do a great job building a soldier. We do a great job commissioning him to what he's got to do while he is in service, but we do a poor job as, as to helping them slide back into reality of, of, of civilian life. Right. right. Um, and what we find is that, that a lot of these mental struggles, man, are just coming from that lack of brotherhood, that lack of purpose, that lack of, just knowing what to do next. And I mean, you're an outdoorsman. Um, you know, what better place is there to, uh, to kind of clear your mind, um, to, to, to build relationships and to really understand the fullness of God than to be in, in his great outdoors. And so we have, uh, we've, we've started, um, you know, really searching out veterans. And we've had a lot of veterans searching us out too, since we've kind of kicked this off, but basically we, we, we've got some really incredible outdoor experiences that we will take these guys on. Um, one, you know, us being from Florida, we're, we're big in the, the alligator world. Uh, Mike and I are both nuisance alligator trappers. So um, oh, nice. we, we get to go take out alligators from neighborhoods as they come up. But through that, we've also got some, really good places that we can alligator hunt year round. Um, and so, we, you know, we'll do things like take, take them down um, to South Florida and go for an alligator and hog hunt for a couple of days and, and really just show them, you know, that there are people that care, right. That they, they can still have that tribe, that brotherhood um, show them that, you know, um, Christianity isn't about being a soft guy. You don't have to be, um, weak, right? Jesus right. was not weak. He was meek, but meek is a term of strength, right? right. It, it's, it, it is not a term of weakness. Right. Um, and strength so we, we like control. to show that he's so, 
Yeah, it's, it's about control, self-control. Yeah. And uh, meek is a, a term from horses, right, being bridled. Right. Um, and it takes a lot of strength to train the horse and for that horse to show the self-control, right? And so so meekness is a, a – is a um, is a, a symptom of not a symptom, but it, it's a sign of strength. Um, and so we want to show them that, that w- what we believe a real Christian man looks like. Um, and we want to show them that even though we might not be able to relate to exactly what they're going through and what they're dealing with and the troubles they may have at home or the troubles they may have at work or, or some of the things that they just brought back with them from, from their time uh, serving that the one true way to uh, to get past that, to get through it, is with a relationship with Jesus, right? Jesus has already paid the price. He's already done the work for us. And in him, there is no condemnation, man. He doesn't care what we've done, where we've been, who we've done it with, or who we've been there with, right? All he cares about is us. And the second that we start with that we surrender to him and start building that relationship with him and we're his forever and that freedom that is true freedom the bible says it'll give us a a peace that transcends all understanding and for 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 people that are suffering with those voices in their head with those demons in their head man and that's what it is that it, it is it's a supernatural force it is a demon that is trying to take one of god's children down and so the only way to combat that is is by 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 putting Jesus back in their life, man. And that's what we do. And it's been, um, it's been an incredible ride so far. We, we made, um, some, some incredible connections through the outdoor world that are, that are really making difference in these, these hunters or, or these veterans lives. And, you know, uh, and I'll try not to get too, too long winded here and wrap it up, no, but man, good. I've chased, I've chased, um, this dream of being, um, you know, being a, for lack of better words, an outdoor personality, right? My whole life. I, I was a little kid with the VHS tapes watching Night in Hell and watching, you know, Toxie Hayes and Primetime Bucks and Monster Bucks and all that stuff, man. Like, it was all I wanted to do. I wanted to be Michael Waddell and Real Three Road Trips, you know? That's yeah. that's what I wanted. And truth be told, that's, that's probably part of the reason I started Southern Game and Tackle. Like, maybe this is my way to become – to, to do that. And I still, man, I, I still, if I could find a way to work in the outdoors for a living, um, I would absolutely do it. But what I found is that if all, if, if you heard me say that, all you heard was me, right? You heard Rick talk about what Rick wanted to do. But man, since I've realized that that door, God doesn't open doors for just us to come through. He opens doors so we can bring people with us. And man, since we've done that and we've started pouring in and, and really using the outdoors for his glory, the doors that he's opened, man, has been incredible, man. From Vortex to Origin to uh to, to, to Bear Archery to Gold Tip, right? Just a ton of different um different uh outdoor companies have have really poured into us our church has has done a lot for us man and i can tell you i mean when i wrap up here with you i'm going to our uh weekly bible study with a group of guys and it's it's changed lives um mine included mine included so uh project savior outdoors man that's uh, that's that's where my heart is southern game and tackle is just a way for me to uh, to, to, to talk my own uh, jump right and, and have my own therapy session. But where I really get fed is through Project Saver Outdoors. Um, 
and would love for anybody to go check us out. We've got a website. We're on Instagram, projectsavioroutdoors.org. Um, you can donate there if you like, right? Um, or you could just uh, just pray for us and pray for the mission and pray that God puts the right people on us and that we uh, we do the right things and, uh, and, and point them to him. That's awesome, man. Well, folks, definitely go check that out. Where can folks find uh, Southern Game and Tackle? You guys have a website as well. We do southerngameandtackle.com. We're on Instagram. Uh, I think Facebook too, um, but I only I only fool with the with the Instagram side. Um, and yeah, you pick up our podcast um, on any uh, any platform out there. So yeah. Follow us. Go listen to the episode that'll that'll post here soon with Josh on it, uh, and, and you'll get to hear some of this twice, man. man I, I, <laughs> I tell you what, if if folks have been listening to podcasts recently, they've heard my voice way too much. Like if, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm all over the place. I need to. I don't know, man. I feel like I've gotten around. I feel almost a little bit ashamed of it. Listen, dude, you're uh, <laughs> an inspiration for me, man. You uh, oh. you do a great job with it, so you're you're right where you need to be. But if you ever need a if you ever need somebody to sit in and, and host for you, man, just let me know. I'll I'll work under the Southern Way for a little bit too. Man, let's do it. That sounds great. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Well, cool, man. Thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thank you. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, please go subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you can leave us a review, I would really appreciate that. Until next week, let's keep doing things the Southern way.